Well, good morning. Glad all of you are here uh, to worship in, in the dark. Wow, there we go. It's like a movie right there. Uh, we are launching a, a new series today, like the video just showed you, called The Blueprint. We're going to be uh, looking at the next three weeks, uh, really a key scripture in the Bible uh, that you just saw on the screen uh, that some refer to as the Great Commission. And we're going to be talking about what, what is that, those two verses kind of tell us about life specifically, uh, what we should build towards. And the idea of the blueprint is, is with a blueprint, it gives you a plan. And from that plan, you, you build something. And if you've not had a plan and you've tried to build something, oftentimes that could lead to uh, scary results. I wanted to share a brief story about that myself. Uh, if you know me, usually if there's any building and I'm involved, wear a hard hat. Okay. There's a lesson. I uh, moved into uh, our house four years ago and we were meeting our neighbors and they were talking about this, the annual Christmas light uh, shindig that we do. And it's like, okay, great. You know, I was really excited. Like, wow, the neighborhood does stuff together. And yeah, you're going to string your Christmas lights from your roof across the street to the neighbor's roof. And I was like, that's great. Like who, who like does that? Like who puts that together? And they're like, that's you. And it was great. And then it wasn't great really quick. And they started talking about like, you need to get like this cable that, you know, can't be broken in a, a hurricane and you need to get these hooks that hook to your roof and make sure you have the roof and watch out on the tile as you step on your roof and lights and electricity. And I just started getting really nervous. And so I thought, all right, well, I'm the new guy and I'll just do this. And I started buying all the supplies and the cables and the lights and I'm stringing them up and I'm hoping like this is going to work. And we string it up. It's hooked to one roof. It's hooked to the other. And then my neighbor's like, you check to make sure your lights work. Right. And it was As I looked up, it's like 30 feet in the air. I don't think I did that. I told him and well, we're going to find out and turn it on. And actually, it was pretty good. Most of the lights worked. There are a few that were missing. I had a Christmas wreath in the middle. I forgot to kind of connect that. And so the lights weren't working. So it's just kind of one of those. I was like, you know, I, I didn't have a plan. I've never done this before. And it turned out OK uh, with Christmas lights. That's usually my approach. It's not a big deal. I, I hopefully it'll work and I like to jerry rig stuff. I'm a good like MacGyver. At least I think I am. Uh, but as you try to actually build something like, hey, Alex, will you build a house? You probably don't want me to do that because I tend to not have any idea of how to do that and how that works. Uh, if I'm building a kid toy, I may follow the instructions. I may not. But what I found in life is that the bigger deal that it is that I'm building determines how much I follow the instructions. Uh, kid toys, if it's a big deal, usually you got to follow. It's like putting together a car and it's late at night and it's going to take you six hours. You need the instructions. That might have happened to me. OK, uh, if it's like a Lego and I can figure it out, I can just do it quickly. But the idea of a plan and the idea of a blueprint in life related to what you're building on, what you're giving yourself to, how you're spending your time and your resource and all that you've been given. It's really important to have kind of an idea of what you're building without a plan. Uh, life can happen. And at the end of life, how do you know if that was what you were supposed to build? And so what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks is in the Bible, as God has revealed himself, he's given us a specific picture of the blueprint that we should base life off of. 
And this blueprint is not just a general guide, but it's specific. These are the purposes that you should give yourself to. And we're going to be talking about that in, in the idea of making disciples, the idea of being baptized, the idea of obeying God and what he commands. And so those are the three things we're going to be talking about. These are like the big rocks of the Christian life. If you've been investigating what it means to follow Christ or you've been, been investigating Christianity, this gives you a sense of where we're headed. OK, uh, it also uh, if you are a Christ follower, it can give you a sense of how closely are you following this blueprint? Is this what your life is about? Is this how you are spending your resources to make happen? So this is kind of like a refresher for some, maybe a reminder, but also it could be new information. And so I hope you come for the rest of the, the series. But today we're going to look specifically at the first part of the Great Commission. Now, you may be here and you, you do want to learn about Jesus. Uh, you may follow him, but you may not. But he's interesting to you and you kind of want to learn more about him. You, you may be curious. You could be drugged here uh, from a friend. And as you're here, you're like, is he really my friend? Why am I here? Uh, or, you know, you could just be trying to figure out how how does life work? And you may be out of options. And so we're all from different places. And so regardless of where we are, I want this to kind of be, okay, he, here's, here's the big picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so as you dig into the scriptures, as you dig into this passage, uh, you find that Jesus' plan for his followers, for all that follow him, is to make disciples. And I want to read the verse in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we're going to be talking about this as it relates to us as an individual. And this passage as it relates to us as a church. But today we're just going to be looking at verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is the central command of those two verses is to make disciples. So out of all that's said, make disciples is the thing that you should set your life around. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. You're going to make disciples. Now, disciple is not a word that we use very often at all. Like, who are you hanging out with? Just some disciples. Like, really? Like, do you have sandals on and like a robe? Like, like we don't use that word at all. But the, the key uh, is to understand what a disciple is and what it's not. So I want to just spend a little bit of time look, looking at that. Let's define the word disciple. A disciple is not someone who is a fan of Jesus, but has decided to be a follower. See, a fan means there's interest and you want to gather information and you may want to learn, but a follower actually takes what you know and you actually want to follow what Jesus has said. So it's not just interest. It's actually you want to live a certain way. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is also not uh, emotional. Like Jesus somehow just you feel a certain way and that drives you to do certain things. No, actually. A disciple is somebody that emotion isn't just the center of the relationship, but it's a lifelong commitment to follow him. Despite what you feel, you will follow him. That, that's what a disciple is. 
The word literally means it's, it's a learner. You want to learn from Jesus. You want to learn from others who follow Jesus. And you want that to affect the decisions you make, what you do, what you say, every facet of your life. That, that's what a disciple is. And so to be a disciple, you have to decide that I want to learn. I don't know it all. And Jesus is using this time with kind of the last energy he has before he ascends back into heaven. He's giving this, this is what it's all about. You need to make disciples. But to make disciples, you have to be a disciple. And to be a disciple means you have to decide you don't know it all. You've not arrived and you actually need to learn from Jesus and from those who follow him. So it's actually you take a place of humility. That's what a disciple is. You're willing to learn. Not just from everyone, not from everything, but you're, you want to learn from Jesus and the God of, of the scriptures. In this context, there's a kind of a, a definition as well I want to share with you. A disciple is someone who has decided to follow Jesus Christ, whatever that means or demands. That's what a disciple is. You're willing to follow Christ no matter what that means or demands. Very rarely in life do we ever agree to do something if we don't know everything up front. Isn't that true? At least for me. I'm a trustworthy person, but at the same time, I'm skeptical. If somebody says, hey, you want to hang out? Usually I'm thinking, yeah. But like, how long? Like, is this open? Like, we're doing like a week? Because I got, like, I got to work, right? Or even work, like, I'm going to go to work. But I'm thinking, like, I go to work, but I also leave work, Right? There's the idea of, you know, in my head, I've always got this, I, you know, this is what it means. This is the plan. And what you find a disciple is, is you're willing to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. You trust him. You may not know all that that means, but you trust him. Now, the good thing about God is that he's not a complete mystery. We can't know everything about him, but in the scriptures, he has revealed who he is. So while we are committed as a disciple to do whatever he tells us to, as you read the Bible, you find out how he does that. You can see how he is related to people throughout the centuries. You can see how people have followed him well or not followed him well, and you learn from that. So in the scriptures, we get a scope of what that means. That's why it's so important to read the Bible, because we see God interacting with those that follow him, his disciples. In the Old Testament, we learn from our spiritual forefathers what it means follow God and you find out how they did it well and how they didn't in the new Testament. You see how his disciples followed Jesus, how they did it well and how they didn't. And we learn from that. But the whole time is there's not this formula that we say to Jesus, I'm willing to do this as long as you don't ask me to do this. You have an open hand in your life where your plans, your agenda, you're willing to give up. For what he wants you to do. That's what a disciple does. So the idea of a blueprint is. We all have a blueprint that we want to base life off of. We do. And for some of us. It may be the blueprint of what the good life is. We have a sense of. If I can get this. This is the good life. If I can do this. This is the good life. If I can be with this person. This is the good life. And we have a blueprint. It may be inherited from our family. It may be experienced through our culture. 
It may be just something that we've kind of looked hard at, like what kind of a life do we want that will give us the good life? And we build a blueprint based on that. This command and this urge that Jesus is giving us is you need to check what's on your blueprint and see is that lining up with the blueprint that God has for us. That's what a disciple does. You check your blueprint, your plan for your life against God's plan for your life. And if they don't match, which blueprint do you hold on to? A disciple is willing to toss their blueprint, whatever the cost, to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? So let's move on. So becoming a disciple means that I switch to Jesus' plan. Now, depending on the type of person you are, if you're a planner, the idea of adopting anyone else's plan could cause you to cringe. Because you may have a formula right now for how the rest of your week will look. You're going to leave here and this is what you're going to do. And then you're going to go here. And then you're going to talk to this person. It's going to last this amount of time. The more of a planner you are, the idea of adopting another plan could freak you out. If you're not a planner, you're like, sure, I'll follow Jesus' plan. As long as it can be completely open, I can do whatever I want. Those are two kinds of people. But either the case, whether you're a planner or you're not a planner, it's not just this open void of space of following Jesus. There's actually some specific things that you've got to do. There's specific things that you shouldn't do. And so a follower of Christ, you switch to Jesus' plan. I want to share a story with you. Uh, you may have heard before. It's, it's about this rich young man who is a ruler. He has status. He has power. And he's heard about Jesus. And he decides he wants to find out what, what he needs to do to experience eternal life, to, to kind of figure out what life is all about. And he comes to Jesus kind of with a preconceived blueprint. And it's interesting to see how Jesus responds. Luke 18 says this. And a ruler asked him, good teacher. You, always, you know, this guy's smart. You're going to ask Jesus... And you start with good teacher. That's good. It's a good way to get it. Good teacher. Like, oh, smart one. Like, help me. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, said to him, why do you call me good? And the guy said, well, I'm just like, I'm just trying to be nice. Jesus like, you seem good. And frankly, I, this is really important to me. And so you can see the guy kind of backpedaling like, because you, you are good. You guys ever do that? You just you, you read the scripture and you're like, what? Is that just me? Okay. I just thought that was interesting. I'm going to move on. No one is good except God alone. So he has this just question that's burning him and he's building his life. He's like, how do I inherit eternal life? Good teacher. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Yeah. Do you remember like I asked you a question in that, Jesus? Thank you, but... I want the answer. And he says, you know, the commandments do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Yes, I've done this since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. 
So there's a blueprint in his head. I am going to do what God says. I'm obeying the commands. I'm following the rules. And Jesus, being the good teacher that he is, cut right through the issue. His blueprint was follow the rules. I'm okay. Obey the law. I'm okay. Jesus said, following the rules is not what it's about. It's about your heart and how willing you are to forsake all that you have to follow me. Again, whatever means necessary, you will follow Jesus. And he became distraught. He became sad. He became just discouraged because he was very rich. At that point, he saw the cost of following Jesus. And to him, it was too great. It was too great. Now, we don't know what happened later. We don't know if he decided after a period of time, you know, he was right. I need to to forsake this. We don't know. But the question is still the same. Will I adopt Jesus' blueprint and toss mine away? Or will I try to live by both? And this story is a great example of Jesus draws the line in the sand. He's saying that, you know, I am the way to the good life. I am the way to the life that pleases God. You cannot live by your blueprint and my blueprint. You must choose one to build your life off of. And it makes sense. If you're building a house and you have two blueprints and they're of two different plans, how do you think that would turn out? I mean, really? I mean, it makes sense if you look at this idea of building. What if like the plan is on this hand for a one-story house? But on this hand, it's a two-story. How does that work? If you're a builder like me, we'll figure that out. That's called stacking. But in life, it doesn't work. Jesus draws a line. You have to follow my way. This is the way to the life that God wants. And so we must, we must follow his blueprint. And he must be first over our money and stuff. It's what you learn from The rich young ruler. He must be over our family and other relationships. He must be over our career. This idea of a disciple is we have a relationship with Jesus as his follower. And we make him number one in these areas and we experience the best kind of life. I really believe that. I've experienced that. And as you invest your money in the things that he asks you to, it is spent and expanded far beyond that we can do with our own blueprint. That's how it works. As we decide that we will actually allow God to call the shots in every area, including our family, including our marriage, including everything we have. God actually allows us to be the person that blesses these people. There's a fear. I can't put God above this. I can't put God above that. There's this tension that we experience. But what God does is he actually transforms us into a person that far blesses the people that we relate to as we follow his blueprint. To me, that is a key idea of what makes God good. He takes my concerns and fears and asks, say, as I trust him, that stuff gets taken care of. So the key premise is, as I adopt Jesus' blueprint and discard mine, whatever that is, no matter how big or how small, my plan or my idea of how life should work, You will not get ripped off. God will cause you and show you the life 
that pleases Him and it's a far better life than the one that you have just by trying to build on your blueprint. That's what makes God so good. His blueprint actually builds the life He desires for us. And the key idea in all this is Jesus must be number one for the Christian life to work. He must be number one. He can't be a slice. He has to be the core. He's not a compartment where we're just trying to fit him into certain space, but he's the core of all of life. So if that is true, if we adopt Jesus' blueprint for our life, we decide whatever that means, whatever that demands, we will follow him. We will be a learner. We will decide that we need to ask questions to figure out how to do it. We decide that we need to aggressively pursue what it means to follow him in every area, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we treat people by what we say, our attitudes towards them. It just, it's not just an idea of like, I want to learn like a, a, a you know, experience in the classroom where it's by a teacher, but it's this idea of it actually transforms every area in life as you live life. As you do this, as he becomes number one, Jesus takes us to influence the world around us. That's what a disciple does. They aim to influence the world around them. And as you are a learner and as you follow Jesus Christ and he transforms you, you actually make an impact on the people around you. And that's the idea. If you are a disciple, you need to make disciples. Again, that's the central command of the whole passage. Make disciples. So that means once I am following Christ and I am living life his way, I'm looking at how can I reproduce myself? How can I share with others the difference that Jesus has made in my life? How can I show them how to live life his way? That's what a disciple does. And so as I kind of turn the corner and wrap up, I want to kind of talk through how a disciple does that. And what you find in scripture is the idea of making disciples. This is the plan that Jesus used himself to change the world. He had a group of disciples. He showed them what it meant to follow him. He left. He ascended into heaven. They had groups that were following them. They showed them what it means to follow Jesus. They show what it means to follow Jesus and reproducing, 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 reproducing. In the United States of America, we have Christianity and we have a picture of what it means to follow Christ because back then the plan was to make disciples. If you're not making disciples, you cannot be reproduced. If you cannot reproduce, how does Christianity grow? How do people know about Jesus? So this is the plan Jesus used to change the world. I'm grateful for that because it's made an impact on me. It's made an impact on you, whether you're a Christ follower or not. And he wants to continue this. He wants this wake to continue to all the nations. So this is his plan to how to change the world. He does this in two ways. The first is uh, he wants us to share the difference that Christ has made in our life. Acts 4.20. Uh, here's an account of Peter and John. And they say this. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Just in that short account. It is packed with meaning. It's this idea of as Jesus interacts with you and he makes a difference in your life, there's this part of you where you cannot keep this to yourself. 
He's made such a difference. You have to share. There's this idea of, you know, I was thinking one thing and I was building my life based on my work and I was giving all my time and my energy to this. And then I just realized that that wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't giving me the life that I thought. My blueprint wasn't working. Then I met Jesus. And I began to think and I began to realize that, you know what, my job and my title and that doesn't define me. That's what Jesus does. You have a picture in your head. It doesn't get you the building and the, the life that you want. And as you live life his way, you can't not share what you've seen and what you've heard. It makes such a difference. So that's key. We just share the difference he has made. When? Whenever there is a person that you can share it with. I have a picture of like crazy people. You know, there's this picture of Christians that are just like, Everywhere they're going, like, can I tell you about Jesus? And you're like, wait, this is California. Like, this is L.A. Like, wait a second. You keep that to yourself. We're private people here. The key is, though, if you actually have a blessed life, and you actually treat people well, what I found is people actually want to find out, like, hey, why are you not so stressed out? You seem to have, like, a, a family that you actually want to go home to. What's up with that? This project just been, went back, bad at work and, you know, you weren't weeping at your desk. How come? Pray for God to provide opportunities for you to share the difference that he has made. And he'll do it. The second thing of how we influence the world around us is he, he wants us to live as salt of the earth and light of the world. This is an analogy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But it's a great picture of this idea of a disciple of somebody that's not just living their life in a box, not affecting those around them. There's this picture of Jesus uses the life he's transformed in us to make an impact on those around us. That's how it works. So if you're considering what it means to follow Christ, this is key. It's not just about your life. It's about actually making an impact on those around you. Not because of we have something special to share or we're special people. It's that we serve a God that will change the world. One disciple at a time. That's how it works. Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how should it, how shall its saltiness be restored. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's, people's feet. You are the light of the world. He's given a picture to his disciples. This is what it means to follow me. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So real quickly, this is what salt does. It adds flavor and creates thirst. So part of how you influence people is you actually have a life that people are drawn to. Okay? Uh, it has a distinct flavor. As you live your life, people should be asking questions. Why do you do the things that you do? That's not exactly normal with my experience. Why do you do the things that you do? There's something about you. It doesn't mean you're weird. Okay? But it means you might be different and you probably should be when it comes to the tastes, when it comes to the choices that you make, when it comes to what you say, what you do. 
you're a disciple of the living God. Your life should be different. And light, it, it illuminates and it, it allows us to see how things really are. So as people are wrestling with issues, and you've actually had experience of how God has shown you how to get through that trouble at work or that issue with your kids when you're just trying to figure out how to connect with them, you're allowing the light to, to shine. Like, this, is, this has been my experience. This is how God has helped me. I read this in the Bible once, and, and this is how it helped me in the moment. You're creating thirst. People are, there's something about you. So this begs the question, are you interacting as a disciple with those who are not? It's a key question. Because you can't make disciples if you're not around those people who are not disciples. And if you're not a disciple, are you interacting with those people that are? Because if you're investigating, that's key. That's how you learn. So as an individual, I'm thinking, how am I salt? How am I light? This also determines what we do as a church with our resources. And I want to close out. We're going to actually show a video of Pastor Randy. He's the senior pastor of Church in the Valley. Uh, He's in Diamond Bar today speaking. And we wanted him to give an update. As we're looking at this idea of making disciples. Okay, let's, let's build what we do. Let's make this the blueprint of church life. What does that mean? How does that mean we spend our resources? What do we do with our time? How do we make decisions? And so this video is not exactly the norm. You may think like, whoa, like, did I just interrupt the private conversation? We actually want you to be in on this discussion. We want you to see how this idea of a blueprint makes a difference in Church in the Valley in what we do. And so I want to close out the service. As the band comes up, I want to walk through some next steps. And then I want to watch a video from Randy. Now, it's like eight minutes long. Okay, if you've been here the last few weeks, you're used to like box office wisdom trailers, two minutes, explosions. I tried to get some explosions in the update video. Again, you don't want me building stuff. Okay, so it's it's just a good opportunity to hear from Randy. It's eight minutes long, but I think it will be a big help. So as the band comes up, uh, take out your connection card that, that Ben referred to and fill out any next steps that you'd like to take. Uh, I'm going to walk through these pretty briefly, but fill out the rest of the information on your connection card. The first is ask God for help in prior ti- in prior time. There's a certain way to say that word prioritizing it. Yeah, there it is. My life around being a disciple. This could be. Uh, is there an area in your life where you're, you're you're not really being a disciple? There's something that you're not really deciding you want to do it God's way. You kind of have your own blueprint. Uh, it could also be. You need to look for opportunities to be salt and light to those around you. This is the idea of going as you're going. Okay. Uh, You may want to uh, attend the Lord's Supper, which Ben talked about. There's some other meetups as well. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about what it means to make a disciple on the the right hand side of the connection card, there's a place where you can request information about what it means to follow Christ. This is what does it mean to be a disciple? If you'd like just more information, you'd like to talk to somebody, you kind of want to figure this out. That's part of being a learner. I encourage that. And so if you check that, uh, somebody on staff will, will contact you and we could start a discussion. We'd love to help you any way that we can send you resources, whatever would be a help to you. So we're going to watch the video as we close. Have your connection card handy. After the video, I'll pray and then we'll continue singing 
uh, and we'll close out our service. Let's enjoy that together.